Tony on the track. Blitz coming. Fitzpatrick throws. Touchdown. Devontae Parker. For Devontae Parker, two guys back there. Somehow Parker comes away with it. Yo, Finns fans, what's up? It's the Italian Stalians, Nick Imperato and Sal Siciliano, your host, bringing you all in all Finns. This is take number two on this podcast because we're trying out some new stuff. Um, But today we're just going to continue our series. We're going to talk some news and then we're going to talk about the offensive line and touch on the um, tight end. So here we go. Alright, so this is take number two. Like I said, uh, we lost the audio yesterday because um, for whatever reason when I was talking it was just all fuzz and then when Sal was talking it sounded fine. So um, it was late, so we just will push it back and um, you know, you'll get this on Tuesday. Um, but either way, we're going to start off, Sal's going to break down some news, um, then we're going to get into the O-line and then we are going to, um, oh we'll probably talk a little tight ends too. Um, and then we'll probably argue with each other a little bit. So, Sal, I'll let you start us off with a little Dolphins news, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, so, um, unfortunately, another Dolphins legend, uh, Jim Kick, passed away. Um, uh, if He was part of that uh, 1972 undefeated season, played a few years in Miami. Um, I was talking to Nick about this football life uh, that NFL Network does uh, called The Perfect Backfield, and it's about Larry Zonka, Mercury Morris, and Jim Kick. Um, it's really good. It's about an hour long. Uh, I liked it a lot. If you haven't seen it, I recommend watching it. It just dives into their career and when they played together and how they all intertwined with each other and shared the load and, and helped each other grow as players and their friendship beyond uh, the football field. So it's just a really cool little story to watch. Um, so if you haven't seen it, I recommend going to watch it. Yeah, that's tough, man. I think uh, it's like you said yesterday when we were recording, it's, you know, we're going to start getting into this time period where those legends from that time period are, um, you know, we're losing them. Like we lost uh, Don Chula, unfortunately. And, you know, Jim Cake, I did hear on the Locked on Fins podcast today something that I really didn't know, but. Uh, he kind of groomed the way because they had, uh, you know, Zonka, and like you said, they had like a three-headed monster at running back back in the day when running back was actually utilized properly. Um, and he kind of just like groomed them and, and let them take take over the, um, you know, the, the backfield. And um, I know he was super highly respected because of that. And um, really set the tone for those guys so you know he'll be missed definitely he he was definitely uh, lost too early that's for sure um, but let's start off with the tight ends today um, and um, kind of go that route because I don't really know you know we probably should have done tight ends when um, we were talking about wide receivers if I say um one more time I'm slapping myself but we probably should have talked about tight ends when we were talking about wide receivers. I really wanted to do some research on the UDFA that Miami got that they were switching to tight end, which is Bryce Sturk. 
Um, he was formerly, I believe, a linebacker, and now he got a call. And I guess um, somebody interviewed him, another podcast interviewed him, and said that his agent was fielding calls for him originally. And a lot of teams were asking about the switch, but he hasn't played tight end since high school. So that will be definitely interesting, something to watch out for. Uh, he's a big dude. He'll probably shed some weight and work on his agility. So I don't know how NFL teams come up with that. Like, how do you watch a dude play four years in college and say, oh, he looks like a tight end to me? That's weird. He must have balled out in high school. But either way, um, obviously Mike Kosicki is going to be the main tight end. He's going to play a lot of split. He's going to play split out. I'm sure he's going to run a lot of seam routes. Um, he's going to not have his hand in the dirt, and he's not going to block a lot. I'm sure that Bryce Sturk and um, Durham Smythe will, will carry the load as far as as far as far blocking goes. But we'll have to see. I mean, there's a couple other guys like Michael Roberts that are – um, we'll be fighting for a position, but I, I don't know. It depends. They'll probably keep, keep three guys on the roster as far as tight ends go. Especially, like you said, if they keep Chandler Cox. But, um, uh, what was I going to say? I lost my train of thought. Kind of, I was thinking about Chandler Cox too much. Um, but yeah. I think that Mike Siggy coming off the year that he had last year is going to be huge. Um, I don't know what you think about the tight ends, but I'll try to collect my thoughts while you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was horrible. I do not know why I lost my train of thought like that. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of the tight ends, um, obviously Gusecki is going to be the top, you know, number one target at tight end for this team. Um, last year started out a little slow. The whole team, the whole offense kind of started out a little slow. He had five touchdowns in the second half of the year. Um, so I look for him to improve upon that, maybe get a few more touchdowns. Um, Smythe is going to be utilized for blocking. Cox is probably going to be lined up as maybe like a, a second tight end uh, blocking wise. Um, Gusecki's probably not going to get his hand in the dirt a lot. Like you had said yesterday, um, so, I mean, besides that, there's not too much more to to talk about. I mean, Mike oh yeah, Roberts. I remembered. What I was gonna say is uh, Nick O'Leary actually retired today. Did he really? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. That's what I lost my train of thought over. That little tiny little tidbit of information that was not even important. I lost oh, my... Nick O'Leary. <laughs> I, dude, he was a beast. I like Nick O'Leary. No gloves. He 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 was a he was a baller, dude. I li- I, yeah, I liked him a lot. He, he was just a guy that was just going to punch you in the face and pound you. The no gloves was a classic, like, I don't care. I'm still going to beat you up kind of look. He was the best tight end on the team in 2018. Unfortunately. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, I mean, I mean, the tight end isn't really an interesting room right now. I mean, it's kind of like. You know what is interesting? The offensive line? Yeah. We had the best conversation about the offensive line yesterday, dude. The best, dude. I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah our offensive line talk yesterday was really good. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't um, recorded properly. Although, I do have two pages of notes today. I did not have any notes yesterday. Came in unprepared. I had notes. 
I usually try to free ball as much as possible, dude. It's so it's so much more terrible when you do that, and that's the best part about it. But anyways, we'll get back into it. We'll start over at left tackle because I think left tackle and left guard are the two positions that are locked in right now. You can write them in pen, write them in Sharpie, do what you got to do. Because Austin Jackson, he's a young, raw, high-ceiling, high-character guy. He's 6'6", 315. Um, and, you know, he started 25 games at USC. He's, re- dude, he's really young. You know, he's super raw talent. Um, little tidbit about him, his his grandfather played at USC and was drafted by um, Green Bay, played about five seasons in the NFL. Um, not that that matters, but like I said, um, they took a they took a big risk on him at 17. They really could have reached for Cesar Ruiz or waited later and got Robert Hunt and maybe um, another tackle later in the in the game. But they took their shot at him. He's big. I'm sure he's going to put on 10, 15 pounds before the season, and he's going to come off a you know healthy off season because last off season he was coming off uh, the bone marrow transplant for his sister. So, you know, not that that's going to affect him to the whole year, but that does throw off your, your, your whole season based on preparation. So, and he, you never know, he could be, he could have been, he could have been basically, basically hurt from it. So we'll see what happens. I think he's a lock to start at left tackle. Um, I know you think Julian Devonport is a better um, left tackle, but I'll let you, I'll let you tell the, the people that. Okay. I do not think Julian Davenport is a better left tackle. <laughs> Julian Davenport, awful. Let up six sacks last year, had a penalty. I, how many games did he start last year? I don't even know. Too many. Terrible play by Julian Davenport. I do not hope he starts again. Uh, Austin Jackson's definitely going to be the guy that starts left tackle. Um, left guard, Eric Flowers, like you said, pretty much a lock. Um, and I know... Now, it's not going to catch me by surprise because we had talked about it yesterday, but you... Um, Don't blow my think, spot up. Don't blow my spot up. <laughs> you think center to right tackle could be a very interesting spill for this team in a very uh, surprising look at the offensive line. I think that day one, it'll be Karras at center, and then Hunt and Davis will be the right guard, right tackle. Don't know who's going to be the tackle or the guard, I hope that Hunt's the tackle, Davis is the guard, um, but I think it might be flip-flopped depending on what the coaches see. Um, but what what uh, what do you have? What's your? Well, let's not skip over Eric Flowers. Yeah, hold on. He's oh, he's six six three thirty. Okay, he's got experience at left tackle, which is only gonna make Austin Jackson better. Um, even though he may not have been the best left last tack, left, left tackle in the league, he's still a former first round pick. He played four years at left tackle, but then he came. He went to Washington and had his best year at left guard. And it happens a lot, honestly. I know that the Jacksonville had talks of switching Cam Robinson to left guard because taking a huge dude who knows the position keeps him on the same side of the the um, the ball. But you know, it's a is a monster of a man. He played 100% of his snaps last year in 16 games and only let up two sacks. And again, he's a lock at left guard. You can you can write that one in, in pen. Do you like that signing? Like, do you, are you a fan of Eric Flowers? Yes. 
and uh, here's why. So Eric Flowers, obviously, when he came to the league, played left tackle for the Giants. Everyone's like, oh, this guy's a bust. Why'd you waste a first-round pick on him? Which is fair, a very fair point. Uh, last year, he moved to guard for the Redskins. He only let up two sacks. He had five penalties. Um, from a guard position, a left guard, he play. He just he's still young. The dude is, how old is he, 26? He's 26. He only going to improve now that he's known the position longer um he knows how to play tackle so he can help out Austin Jackson like you said um but a lot of people still see Eric Flowers as that bust of an offensive lineman but he played so well at guard and really gained his confidence back he's he's got he kind of rejuvenated his career he's he's restarting resetting he's got the confidence of a season that he played at guard he's got a new contract he's going into a team um that has this young offensive line uh, and I, I really like the Eric Flowers signing. A lot of people, you know, when they saw it, like I said, might have been like, oh, Eric Flowers, maybe not a good signing. But I I am very high on the Eric Flowers signing. Me too. I'm excited. I, I think he's a bruiser and, and he'll he'll be good. So um, we got the left side of the line done. And here's where the fun part comes in. So Ted Karras, he's 6'4", 305 pounds. He kind of doesn't fit the mold. And I understand the signing. It was a cheap thing. He's better than Daniel Kilgore, if you ask me. But interesting fact about um, Ted Karras is when he was going to have to be the starter, um, the Patriots were actually shopping for a center because they did not like Ted Karras as a um, center because he was actually uh, a guarding or a center in college and then played guard when he became like got into the NFL because they didn't think that he was going to have, you know, the talent. And he had a decent season. He started 15 games, allowed two sacks. But usually a center position doesn't get credited with sacks because, you know, unless a nose tackle or somebody blows right over the center and runs in tackle or sacks the quarterback, usually it gets credited to the to the guard. But, you know, he was a cheap option, kind of a bridge option. And I think if he ends up starting and plays a lot this year, that either my second option at center or they'll um, use a high resource for center next year because I do not think um, – I think this is probably the worst position on the O-line right now. And I don't know. I don't really have anything against Ted Karras. I just don't think he fits the mold. And I don't think he's going to start because – well, no, I do think he's going to start. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not going to give you a hot take right now. But there is somebody – on this team that I don't think a lot of you really realize is on this team that I think has the potential to beat out Ted Karras. And if not beat him out, it might be, you know, a few weeks from now. I, I did shoot a question into Kyle Krabs of the Lockdown Dolphins today on my, my personal Twitter because I'm curious to see what he says about it. So if you listen to that podcast, I'll hopefully he answers my question tomorrow. But I asked him what he thought about Donnell Stanley. Um, and here's what I think about him. He's a six-year starter in the SEC at South Carolina. Or, no, six years. He played six years there. So what, whatever way he did it, he redshirted. And however he did it, he ended up spending six years with South Carolina. He started three years, and he played all three interior positions. He was a team captain and with over 500. And this is the reason that I think he's got a better shot to make the team and a better shot to beat Ted Karras out than, than most people think. He played 50-plus games, 500-plus pass, 
pass blocking reps, he only allowed five quarterback pressures the whole time. That that's an insane number. Five hundred passing reps. He only allowed five quarterback pressures. And again, don't get me wrong, some of those were at center, but he also played left guard and right guard. So I think that, you know, he's 6'3", 322 pounds. He 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 fits the mold of what the offensive line does even better. And when I continue my thought process on the O-line here after sale speaks with y'all for a minute, um, you'll understand where my thought process is. But I really think that he needs to get the chance and the opportunity to beat Ted Karras out. Yeah, so <clears throat> a young center uh, like Donnell Stanley, um, for him to come in, say he does start or gets a chance to play this year, be really cool to watch. He's an undrafted free agent. Um, and, and for me personally, I think center is the most important position on the offensive line. A lot of people could argue the blindside tackle. Um, but I, I think it's center because he's got to be, he's the quarterback of the, uh, of the offensive line, if you will. He's got to, you know, he makes the calls on the blitzing linebackers. He's calling the double teams. He's got to, He's got to snap the ball to the quarterback, and then right after that, block. So he's got he's got to have quick reaction time. He's got to have a lot of awareness. Um, he's got to have a lot of mobility and movement because he's got to play like a guard, but also do a lot more. Um, depending on if they pull pull the center uh, or double team and climb to a linebacker in the run game, um, or get to another off uh, defensive lineman to get a guard to push off and get to the second uh, wave of defenders so center has got to do a lot um like i said i think it's the most important position on the offensive line um he's got to be this i think the smartest the guy uh on the offensive line he, he's really got to command that that offensive line he's making the call outs um and when we had mike pouncey at center i really liked mike pouncey because he was smart um he was he was really solid his time in uh miami um, and a good center. So I hope we could get another guy like a, a Mike Pouncey that's better. Um, I don't think Ted Karras is a long-term answer. Um, he's more of a one-year rental. Like you said, uh, if we could get Donnell Stanley in there and start, and maybe he ends up playing a lot better than a lot of people expect and, and really controls that and locks down the center room <clears throat> um, for the next so many years and, and is the answer, that'd be crazy, that'd be great. Uh, but... Uh, it'd be hard to think about it. You know, if he if he pulls a Nick Needham or Preston Williams as the UDFA this year, that'd be crazy um, and balls out. Uh, but the, you have to see what training camp. I, I mean, I, I think the younger the offensive linemen are that they step in and play, the better it, it is in the long run to get that experience. So a guy like him coming in and, you know, Karras behind him as a backup just in case things do go south could be beneficial. But hear me out. What if, what if it's close? During training camp in in two or four preseason games, what if it's a close competition and you think why put in a um, one year rental who most likely isn't going to give you the production you want and you think okay well he's just as good as Ted Karras so give him a year or two to mold into a center and what happens if he turns into the center of the future and then now you don't have to spend another resource on center next year when you also have Michael Dieter sitting behind him who has center experience who I think should also compete at center because I think it's honestly stupid with the with the 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 people that are 
sitting behind Ted Karras as a center right now. Don't get me wrong. Ted Karras is probably going to be the starter, but there's so many, there's younger people. There's people that you have locked on on rookie deals. And how much is a UDFA getting paid? Less than a million dollars a year, I'm sure. Probably less than, I don't even know, less than $500,000 a year for sure. Um, so why have Ted Karras, you know, waste his time when you could have any of these other guys, Dieter, you could have um, Donnell Stanley, and then at right, right guard, it's the same situation. You like Jesse Davis at right guard and Robert Hunt, because I think it's silly to, you basically threw it out there. You drafted Robert Hunt to play right tackle. You didn't draft him to play right guard, and that's your fail safe if he does play right guard. So, um, he's 6'5", 330, and honestly, he is a beast, dude. He's a mountain of a man. He's punishing, and I really think that he needs to play right tackle. If he's anywhere to the level of what Jesse Davis gives you at right tackle, you have to leave him out there because that could be the person that's protecting to his blind side for the next 10-plus years. So, I think that Robert Hunt needs to be the option, and I skipped over right guard on purpose because there's even more options at right guard, and there's two or three guys that I like um, for the right guard option, but I think Robert Hunt is going to be um, the 6'5", 330-pound tackle, and interesting fact about him, coming out of the draft, Mel Kuyper had him as the number one guard in the nation coming out into the draft. So um, I think he had him as, as like the number seven tackle. Um, but he's built like a tackle. He moves well because he's played a lot of guard. He's a four-year starter. Um, he's flexible and he's powerful, dude. Like I, He played 2,947 snaps in four years. And he was hurt a little bit last year. But, um, again, I think it's kind of silly to – put him at right guard because now you're spending you're probably you have to get Alex Leatherwood or somebody like that next year to or I don't even know maybe move up and get um the Powell dude from from Oregon but either way you gotta spend another asset on a tackle when if Robert Hunt is anywhere near where he needs to be he can, he can mold right into your right tackle the future now you have your left tackle and your right tackle Lockdown, and you can worry about the interior lineman. Yeah, and to your point, um, with Robert Hunt, he he's got the size. He, he's played tackle, um, or he hasn't played. Did he play? He didn't play tackle in college, did he? Robert Hunt. Yeah. Not that I know of. I think he mostly played guard. Guard, yeah. Um, I mean, you do. It isn't uncommon for guys who played guard in college to come and move to tackle in the NFL. It's not. It's not that far fetched. Um, and I think moving him to tackle early with Fitzpatrick. I know you've said this quite a bit, but putting him in early with Fitzpatrick in it, it allows him to, uh, if he does make some mistakes, Tua is not the one taking those shots, um, and then he could learn to pass block better because if he does play tackle. Tua's a lefty, obviously. He's going to be the blindside tackle for Tua. He's going to be the left tackle, if you will, that 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 better pass blocker at the tackle position to block the blindside, which is huge and very important to to a team and a quarterback. Um, so if you do hunt 
at tackle and Jackson at tackle, you signed Eric Flowers. Really, then you only have a center and a guard that you have to worry about. And <clears throat> uh, I think offensive line is can make or break a team. So you get a good offensive line, it's going to help out your team tremendously. I would rather have a great offensive line than a great running back because a great offensive line can make any running back good, but a great running back can't make an offensive line good nor can he play to his full potential um and if you think about what the cowboys have done with their offensive line these past you know so long these past four years um they lost travis frederick but still they have a solid offensive line and ezekiel is very good um dak prescott is it was a fourth round pick if i'm not mistaken and you could argue that maybe it's because he's had such help with the offensive line and Ezekiel Elliott, but Ezekiel Elliott's had the offensive line to help him out. Um, I saw this thing that was interesting to me is in the first four years of a uh, player's career, Dak Prescott's like fourth or something um, for wins at the quarterback position. He's He's got 40, which is an average of 10, obviously, for four years. So really, is it his play or is it the offensive line's play that is really helping him out? And I, I think the Cowboys have been so good because of their offensive line. So if the Dolphins could get a good offensive line with a lot of this young talent that they have and this flexibility that they have um, and get them in early and rotate them in, it, it could help out this team tremendously and take strides into being a better team. So he did play some tackle in college, so that's good. Um and I don't know if you guys have heard um, Robert Hunt's background story, but it's pretty crazy. I mean, um, the dude was homeless uh, multiple times, and he didn't even get a um, a scholarship offer until he luckily got invited to um, a like tryout, basically. And he didn't know like the drills they were running or anything like that, and. Um, based on work ethic and kind of just, you know, who he was. And he he was talking about how he wasn't wearing all the fancy equipment that everybody else was playing with and he had to borrow it. And, but he ended up earning himself a scholarship and then played four full years. So, um, you know, pretty cool story. His, ho- his house burned down at one point. But, I mean, I mean that all just kind of contributes to the kind of person that he is. And um, I think that if he does go to – end up playing right guard then you know I think we're pretty good at right guard because um like I said Mel Kuyper and um I know a bunch of people that were high on him at right guard so like I said the number one guard coming out of the out of the draft so even if he does go play right guard then that's just one less position we got to worry about and it's not necessarily a bad thing if you're gonna have to go find yourself a a tackle because either way you know not everybody works out, so don't get me wrong there. But I think the right guard position is interesting. So even if it's not, let's just say for this purpose, Robert Hunt is the right tackle. Then you got Jesse Davis, you got Michael Dieter, you got um, Shaq Calhoun, you got Keatlin Sutherland, you got um, Solomon Kinley, which we spent basically two fourth-round picks to get, which I think was interesting. So... Um, that's the person that I would like to see start at right guard if if he's ready. Uh, he's 6'4", 335 uh, against SEC. Um, he's huge. Um, Brian Flores called him, f- 
quote, um, physical, he, he, you know, these are his words, and then, quote, full of energy, enthusiasm, and um, loves the game, game of football, and he was a top five pass rating, pass, uh, run rating, run block rating, holy crap, run block rated um, guard in the, in the nation last year. Uh, he had some injury issues, but um, if you ask me, here, here's the uh, left or right, Austin Jackson, Eric Flowers, um, Donnell Stanley, Solomon Kinley, Robert Hunt, four rookies, Ryan Fitzpatrick start him, starting, let them get beat up. When they're ready, put two in. Boom. So you want four rookies to start. Is that Four rookies. Four rookies to start in the offensive line. All four of them. If two of them pan out, that would be a successful draft. I four pan out would be something crazy. Four rookies starting. If four rookies came out week one for the Dolphins and started, I have I have that many rookies. I guarantee you that has definitely not happened. That you have there. I don't even think there's been three rookies to start in the same year week one. Maybe two. Maybe two. Four. Four. <laughs> I mean, it's not gonna happen. Like don't get me wrong. It probably won't ever happen. But if that does happen and they can somehow get some some rhythm going just imagine that dude imagine if you had four offensive line positions locked down with if you if you got four offensive line positions locked down in this draft five in this offseason with eric flowers a completely new offensive line and you go in to next year's draft and you don't need to draft an offensive lineman that just opens up so many things and not only that they're all obviously young because they're rookies see that's where i disagree I think you go draft a lineman because you continue to add to this. And and how far fetched is it that a first, a second, and a fourth round pick start next year? Is that really that far fetched? No. The UDFA, you, the UDFA is what throws the wrench in, in the in the plans. But you got a first round pick, a second round pick in Robert Hunt, in Austin Jackson, and then you got a fourth round pick that you really spent two fourth round picks on. So you probably could have picked him in the third round if you really wanted if you really liked him in Solomon Kinley so um I don't think it's that far-fetched I think the uphill battle would be um Solomon Kinley being a better right guard than Jesse Davis is if Robert Hunt wins and obviously um Donnell Stanley beating out um Jesse Davis I try to figure out what it was about Donnell Stanley that didn't get him drafted um, and why he was a UDFA, but I couldn't figure it out. Um, I'm hoping maybe somebody knows or I can figure it out at some point. But I think it would be really interesting if, if for some reason we had four rookies starting. I think it would be it would be a good reason to um, keep somebody like Chandler Cox around, though. Yeah, uh, to, to, if you got four rookies, you might need to help out Fitzpatrick and keep a big body in the backfield to block. Um, but I... Four rookies would be crazy. Um, I think really it's going to be Jackson and, and Hunt as the rookie starting. Maybe Kinley, um, depending on what happens with J- Jesse Davis and Robert Hunt at the right tackle and right guard position. But you never know. Um, we did obviously spend a lot of picks with the offensive line and picking up three UDFAs. So there's six six rookies 
in this offensive line room, not only uh, with that, but you have a bunch of guys that you signed. So this offensive line is going to be completely different than it was last year, um, which is not a bad thing because the play last year was pretty poor. Um, it was so god-awful. <laughs> it was bad. So Who was the best lineman last year? Uh, probably Jesse Davis. I would have to put money on Jesse Davis as being the most consistent offensive lineman we had last year. It was definitely not Dieter, not Davenport, not... Maybe uh, Kalen Balazs will play tackle next year. Dude. Because that's all he knows is how to get tackled. Kalen Balazs, what does he average, like, one point? Not even two carry? yards, dude. Not even two yards. He's going to get caught. He's terrible. He said he has nothing to prove, though. He's in, a lot to prove. In other news, um, Tua took his shot at Shania, Shania Twain... Did you see that on Twitter? I did. I did see that. He's a boss. What a baller. Um, let's see. What else do I want to talk about? Nothing really. Um, I think that'll do it for the O-line and the tight ends. We'll come back and we'll do some defense. Um, hopefully tomorrow. So that way we can get back on schedule. Um, if not, you'll just get a Tuesday, Thursday this week, which is no big deal because I'm getting a little nervous about the NFL season starting on time at this point because I saw something today that, um, like a randomized poll that the majority of NFL players would prefer a delayed season over the alternative, um, which would probably be starting the season and then stopping the season like the ML, like the uh, NBA and the NHL had to do, which... Yeah, I would rather have them push it back a couple weeks rather than do that. Um, but I think at this point you just got to pull the pull the uh, trigger and pull the band-aid off. I see the MLB came to a came to an agreement and they're going to start a new spring training, summer training on July first. So hopefully we're going to get some sports back because um, this is god awful. But anyways, um, Sale has joined the social media gang. So he is going to also be helping out on Twitter and Instagram, which is harder than it sounds to get going. So if you hear this, go follow me, follow us on Twitter, all in all fins. Um, we just finished the first giveaway. Um, so that is getting shipped out tomorrow, today when you're hearing this, to um, Gail in South Florida. She won the Apple Watch Band. So make sure you follow us. I'm going to try to do a giveaway on Instagram once that gets picking up. Because I think it's important to have both um, landscapes because not everybody uses Twitter. Um, and Facebook is kind of crowded. Um, and I don't really like Facebook that much. But all in all, fans on social media, whatever you're listening to this on, make sure you give a follow. Uh, leave a review. Let us know how we're doing. Um, and hopefully you enjoy the new intro. That's my boy, Shawnee. Shawnee on the beat. Make sure you look him up if you rap or do whatever. If you make music, make sure you look him up because um, that B is hot with the Devontae Parker audio on there. I don't know what you thought about it, Sal. I got me amped. Yeah. Got me pumped. Get ready, you, for the, ready to go. Ready to talk about some fins. Yes, yeah, sir. Get you get the people going. The blood pumping. Yes, yeah, sir. All right. Fins up. I'm about to have some fire tweets. Fin- yeah, sir. Let's go.